Welcome, everyone. Good to see you all. Really good to see you. I've been on vacation for two weeks uh, at the beach in Florida. I got out of there before the hurricane blew in, so uh, tired of all this winning, I guess. Uh, really good. Uh, Facebook Live is amazing. I got to, uh, y'all, I don't need to rub this in, but I got to sit on the beach with my iPad and, uh, and be a part of this worship service for the last two weeks. That's what Facebook Live lets us do. I think that's actually pretty amazing. It's really, really amazing. We still, uh, Casey and I love, uh, we just love God's people. It's not that we are Pharisees who think that the sky will fall if, if we miss a Sunday's church, but we, we go to church on vacation. We, we go to a church called Destiny Church uh, outside of Destiny. It's just a, a wonderful congregation. They have a Saturday night service, which I love, because that means I don't really have to miss a day on the beach, because it's kind of all about, if y'all notice, it's kind of all about the beach with me. And so uh, we go to church on Saturday night, but then Sunday morning, I got to sit on the beach and, uh, and be a part of the worship service with Woodburn. So it's, it's sort of the, the best of everything. So all of you joining us by way of Facebook Live today, welcome. God bless you. Uh, among those watching, I know, is Chris and Rose Gregory watching from the Medical Center in Bowling Green. Chris, you have uh, come through four days of chemo and two more days to go. And a brother, we're praying for you. We're with you. Um, I also know that you are probably watching this church service without a shirt on, which has always been your goal to, to find a way to go to church and not wear a shirt. Because if y'all know Chris Gregory, like he doesn't wear a shirt like Christmas. I mean, he doesn't wear a shirt any day of the week you see him except at church. So uh, dude, you, you figured it out. You beat the system. Um, now I, I know that these are hard days for your brother and, uh, and we love you and I uh, look forward to having you back with us. James chapter three is where we will be. Let's, let's jump in. This isn't a sermon series or anything. It's just a, a standalone sermon one Sunday, uh, but it's an important message from James chapter three. Um, if you think that some Sundays are for you more than others, or sometimes it's like the sermon's right to you, today the sermon's right to you. It's right to all of us. I'm gonna preach on uh, the way we talk our words. I'm gonna talk on the tongue. And since every one of you has a tongue, uh, I'm about to step all over it, uh, and, uh, and mine too. Uh, this, this is difficult. It's difficult because of what the word of God says. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That is saying very, very literally that you can speak life or you can speak death. There's power in our words. Now, this is absolutely true. It's just a, a basic biblical principle. Now, before I preach, let, let me say this, because there are... Uh, in the Christian family, there is kind of a stream of folks who probably take this too far. These are the folks who make words nearly magical. And, and I don't believe in magic. I believe that the only power in the universe is the power of God. And things don't have power on their own. You see what I'm saying? And there are those, you know, there are preachers even who talk about, you know, positive confession and speaking things into existence and name it and claim it and that sort of thing. I don't believe that that's what the Bible teaches in exactly that way or not to that extreme. So in the course of this sermon today, I just want to kind of keep things in a certain kind of balance. And when I say that words have power and that you can speak life or you can speak death, I don't believe that words are magical. I don't believe in incantations. 
sins. I don't believe that you can say certain words and curse something or bless something. I don't believe that words have magical power. However, there is a spiritual principle that is undeniably biblical, and that is simply that there is actually an effect. There are consequences. There are actually things set in motion by our words. And in the language of Scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You are either speaking life or speaking death every time you put words out there. And it has never been easier to put words out there. Never. With social media now, you can put a Facebook post. And I know that we're not all J-Lo or whoever has a million followers, but you've got people who pay attention to what you put out there on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, it's just so easy to put words out there now without really thinking about what we've said. Um, Basically, the bottom line as we step into James chapter 3 is that words can kill. I I know you've been told that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words can never harm. Oh, no. uh, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and words can kill, and you're either speaking life or death. Uh, You should pay attention to uh, what your words say. Uh, Let's go to James chapter 3. Just jump right in. I'm fully aware that the first verse is directed uh, to me and to those of us who do most of the talking around here, so I'll I'll take it like a man. Let's start. James chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. All right, let's just stop. Let's talk about that. What does that mean? Not many of you should be teachers in the church. I guarantee you the nominating committee won't be using that as their slogan in fall, you know, when we're trying to get teachers in the church. Uh, But there is a warning in this passage, this verse, a strong warning to somebody like me who stands up in front of people and tries to talk, especially talking about biblical things. Why do you think it says not many of you should step into that and those of you who do should understand you will be judged more strictly? Why? Yeah, you're expected to know, but beyond know, you're expected to do. Yeah, it's just that, that, that idea that the more you talk about something, the more you seem to know about something, the more it should be evident in your life. And honestly, some of us talk religion and we talk Bible, but we do not live Bible. And this is what James is saying here. There's a warning here for those who have so much to say about the Lord, but their lives don't back that up. Not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse two, indeed, we all make many mistakes for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. I'm going to let that sit for a second and I'm going to read it again. Did you hear what I just said? Indeed, we all make many mistakes, but if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. 
It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it itself is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. It's harsh. That's, that, that's just harsh. There was a, there was a man named Phil, a church, church guy, church going guy, not in our church. but um, He went to a college a basketball game. It was a big game and uh, third quarter uh, timeout. So he and a bunch of his guys all went to the men's room. Uh, Phil was just all up in it, you know, and he was, uh, had his mind, he was talking about something and uh, there, his guys were all in the men's room there and so he was loud and he stepped over to the sink to wash his hands and he was just really talking and, and it was foul. He was really upset, uh, energized by what he was saying, so he was just, you know, just all up in it and uh, he was loud and really crude, just a lot of four-letter words, like every other word out of his mouth was a four-letter word, but he was just, you know, feeling big and large and uh, uh, anyway he was washing his hands in the sink you know cussing like he was talking all big and loud and he looked up in the mirror and he realized that in the sink next to him like the guy in the sink next to him was his pastor and so you know Phil could see his pastor in the mirror uh, he never looked over at him, but he could see his face in the mirror, and the pastor's face was just really red because there's no way he didn't just hear that, you know. So pastor just kept his face down and just washed his hands, and Phil uh, and the pastor, you know, went to separate towel dispensers, and, and they never spoke. They never even looked at each other. But but Phil knew that Sunday was coming, and he would have to face his pastor so he started thinking through, I mean, he would literally rehearsing a speech that he would make when he would see his pastor on Sunday because he knew that, you know, the dude's going to preach. I'm going to have to walk past him, shake his hand and say something. What's he going to say? So he, he practiced a speech and what he said was he went through and he shook his pastor's hand. He said, Pastor, I just want to apologize to you. I, I know that you heard, you know, the way I was talking in the men's room at the ball game. And, and I just want you to know that... Um, that that's not really how I am. That's not me. Okay, stop right there. How likely is it that that's not really how Phil is? How, how likely is it that that's not really how, how, how likely is it that that's not exactly who Phil is? Because I, I think this is the first thing that we have to recognize and it comes from scripture, and this also is hard. But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says from the King James Version, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the bottom line, the principle there is that it comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart. So 
a lot of us are like Phil. We just, we have this, this you know, diarrhea of the mouth where, where, where we talk in certain ways, but we continue to tell ourselves that that's not really how we are. But let me just tell you the hard truth. That's exactly who you are. I mean, it wouldn't come out of you if it weren't in you. And this is the truth of Scripture that you have to recognize. So when Phil says, you know, Pastor, you need to understand that's not really how I am. No, that's exactly how you are, Phil. I mean, that's exactly, and that's exactly who you are. It comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart. Now, I I, I say this with all humility, and, and James in this passage continues to say that we all make these kind of mistakes. James recognized this is one of the hardest things we're gonna face. But maybe step number one is at least recognize the truth of it. It's, it's coming out of your mouth because it's in your heart. You understand? It's not a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. And, and this is why the word of God can help us. This is why the message today is just so very, very important. It comes out of you because it's in you. So let's go to the scripture. Let, let, let's figure out how to uh, get a handle on this. Go back to what James says in verse 3. Notice there's a pattern here because he's trying to make an important point. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a large ship go wherever the captain wants to take the boat. Okay, so what's the pattern there? A small spark sets loose a wildfire, a forest fire. What's the pattern? Do you see that? You're going to make me read it again? What's the pattern? Yeah, yeah, something small that makes something big. In other words, there's a, there's a destructive power that's not in proportion to, to what seems like the smallness of it. So, but back to it. Listen to what he says. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. In the same way, the tongue. So you see that? In the same way, the tongue. So his point there, very plainly, is that a spark from your tongue can ignite a wildfire of pain and trouble. A spark. A spark from your tongue, very small, but the destruction, the power that is unleashed, a spark from your tongue can ignite a wildfire of pain and trouble. Now you're saying, Pastor Tim, you you are overblowing this. It's only words. And everybody who knows me, they know that's just how I talk. They know that I just, I just run my mouth and sometimes at work I use words I shouldn't use, but everybody just knows me and they know I don't mean it. You see, it's very, very easy for you to downplay what it's like to be on the other side of your mouth because you don't ever have to live on the other side of your mouth. So you tell yourself that everybody just, you know, they understand you and they know you, but this is what I'm saying. A spark from your tongue can ignite a wildfire of pain and trouble. You say, Pastor Tim, I've never set any wildfires with my tongue. See, this is what I'm telling you. You can tell yourself that because you're not the one who gets burned. You're not the one who gets burned. You're not the one who has to listen to your mouth. You're not your family that have to listen to you rant and rage every time you come in from work. You're not the family. You're not married to you. 
I mean, you understand, you're not the one who has to live with the way you talk. I mean, it's very easy to tell yourself that it's just words that everybody else, they understand you. No, everybody else is wishing that you get a handle on this. A spark from your tongue can ignite a wildfire of pain and trouble. You don't see it because you're not the one getting burned. So the message from James is so simple. I say it's simple. That doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. As hard as it is, you are commanded to exercise self-control over your mouth. You are commanded this is not just like icing on the cake for those people who just really want to be good citizens, people who just want to kind of live a PG life. No, no, you are commanded, commanded to exercise self-control over every word that comes out of your mouth every day. Anna, it's really hard. I just say that it is really hard. Why is this so hard? Well, let's just start with me. Let's start with my problem, all right? Um, I talk too much. Thank you for not saying amen. You were thinking it. Yeah. I talk too much. I talk too much. There's a warping of reality that, that happens when you spend a lot of your time on a platform talking with people listening. It warps things. And so um, in the world, I have to watch myself because I'm, I'm really comfortable doing the talking. And so I talk. I'll take over when you don't talk. If there's silence, I will fill it, you, you know. I mean, um, and some of you talk too much too. We, we just run our mouths way too much. And and at least let's let this scripture warn us back that, that if there is such power, if I'm speaking life or death with every word and I'm not always aware of, of what I'm doing, I'm not always aware of what I'm destroying with my words, I'm not aware of how the spark of a word can ignite a fire in somebody else's life or my own life, maybe I should just you know, zip it more of the time. You rarely get in trouble for the things you don't say, you, you know? And I mean, just, I know this sounds just as simple as it can be, but it is that simple. Many of us would live a more triumphant spiritual life if we would just close our mouths. We, we just talk too much. I think a lot of us talk so much because we, we want attention. We, we, we crave attention. Again, I can speak for myself. I, I I think, I, I think I'm really funny, so, you know, I like to entertain people. So that's where I stick my foot in my mouth most of the time. I say something that's, that's that is so funny to me, and sometimes y'all don't get it, you know, but, but I know I'm funny, you know. So, so I, you know, I'm going out with my signature brand of humor, you know, into the line at Walmart, you know, and throw it out there and... Um, and people who don't know me don't get me. And sometimes you know, I, I can really offend. I, mean, I can just put my foot in my mouth and I didn't mean to insult, but you know, I, just, I just say stupid stuff. You know, because I want to be entertaining. I want to make people laugh. And, uh, and I learned that from you people. I mean, I mean, a lot of us do that. And we make mistakes when we do that. Uh, we think we can say or we think it'll be funny. And it's not nearly as funny coming out of our mouths as it was when we were thinking it, you know. 
Some of us, um, it's not the entertainment. We just like being the person with the information. We, we like being, like, like knowing things. And we like having a story to tell. And this is where a lot of us fall into gossip because we just really like to have a story to tell. And if we can have a story we like about a person we don't, boy, that's just great, you know. If you can have a story to tell about somebody that you don't like much, man, phew, you, you can ride a mile and a half on that, can't you? I mean, it's, it's just having a story to tell or just information some of you get in trouble at work because you like to be the person that knows stuff. And maybe if you know it before anybody else knows it, then you can use that information. So, so you use that to sort of bring people in, to make yourself feel like a kind of a, 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 the, the woman in charge, a woman who's in the, in the loop. And, um, but you end up telling things that aren't yours to tell. And, and sometimes you cause a lot of trouble because of the way that you just need to talk, you need to be listened to, you need, you crave that attention. Sometimes what we crave though is really, uh, we talk out of this fear that if we're not talking, we disappear or, or if we're not talking, we, we, we won't be anybody. Or, or if we don't somehow bring other people down with our words, then, then, then we're the one who, who goes down. So we lift ourselves up by, by, by bringing people down. You know what I mean? So, so this is when uh, you uh, have something really funny to say, but it's about somebody else. So it, it, it gets you the laugh, but it gets the other person humiliated, but you don't care about that person. You just want the laugh. Or if you can talk about other people, if you can make them look foolish, or if you can point out all of their flaws, then maybe your thought is that nobody will notice your flaws. But one way or the other, a lot of us, we use our language, we keep our mouths running as a way of trying to shape public perception of ourselves. So, so if we can make everybody else somehow look worse, we, we think that we make ourselves look better. But, but one way or the other, y'all, our mouths run nonstop, and the Word of God says this is a problem. As hard as it is, we are commanded to exercise self-control. You, you've, got, you've got to get control of this. I do too. So how? How? Well, um, Simply, again, not easy, but, but, but simply. I think the first step is to invite Jesus to control your heart. Now, I think by now you, you understand what I'm saying. Control your heart. Remember, uh, your mouth speaks it because it's in your heart. Out of the abundance, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus says. So it comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart. So ultimately, this is not a mouth problem for you. It's not a vocabulary problem. That's why no matter how many times we make you put a quarter in a jar when you say a bad word, you can just keep saying bad words so you just end up without any quarters, but your mouth doesn't change because it's not a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. Ugliness comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart. And there aren't enough quarters in the world to buy you a heart transplant. Understand, only Jesus has the power to change your heart. You can't do that. So that's why you struggle. It's why I struggle. I mean, you tell me to learn to control my mouth. And I say, man, I'm going to try. I'm going to work on this. But it's not a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. So the key is to give Jesus Christ control of your heart. Now, if you've never taken that first step of salvation, if you've never become a believer, if you've never become a Christian, 
If you've never at one time seriously just surrendered your heart to Jesus and said, I'm a sinner, I, I am, I, I'm in desperate need of, of your power in my life, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, take control. It's a surrender. And this is what salvation is. So if you've never done this, then that's the first step you take. You just give your life over to Jesus. But guess what? When you give everything over to Jesus, he automatically gets custody of your mouth. Automatically. The mouth comes too. So when Jesus is in control of your heart, when Jesus is in control of your life, it will automatically change what's coming out of your mouth. Because your heart's different. It's a heart problem. And only Jesus can fix what's ugly, what's filthy, what's broken in your heart. Only Jesus can get to that. Are you with me? Are y'all, are y'all mad at me? Y'all with, y'all with me? Okay. Invite Jesus to control your heart. But now, with that, understand, that power all belongs to Jesus. But then you've got a part to play in this. Only Jesus can change your heart. But you have to control the words that come out of your mouth. You have to do that. You've got to do that. I mean, Jesus probably, I'm sure some days he wishes he could just put a button on it for you or or zip it for you. But unfortunately, you've still got the power and the freedom to control how your jaw opens and closes and how your tongue wags. And therefore, Jesus can change your heart, but you've got to control your mouth. Now, so how does that work? How does that work? Back to the scripture. What does it say? We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the small bit that's in its mouth. We can make the large ship do what? Go wherever we need it to go by the small rudder in the same way the tongue. You see that? In the same way the tongue. So what James is saying here is that the tongue, the the small thing, just your words in your mouth, but they have this tendency to sort of steer your heart, steer your life in ways that you're hardly aware of because it's just so small. The power in the tongue is not in relation to the size of it. That's what James is saying. It's almost unexpected. It's surprising that it would have this kind of effect. But your tongue literally steers things for your life. It it steers your heart. And so Jesus will change your heart, but you've got to control your mouth. And your mouth has a whole lot to do with the direction that your heart moves in, the direction that your life moves in. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? So... You simply must control every word that comes out of your mouth. There is great power when you speak life or death. Let me try to just make it plain for you. Um, This is in the power of the tongue is life and death, and, and you can literally speak life and death. Um, and notice what James says here. He says that the tongue is that the tongue is set on fire by the fires of hell itself, and it can set your whole life on fire. So, what you need to see is that your words are are setting your own life on fire right now. A lot of what is wrong. In your life, a lot of what is ruined, a lot of what doesn't go right, a lot of the places where you're most miserable probably have to do with the way you run your mouth. 
You, you speak death into your own life and, and, and you reap the consequences of, of that. Let me give you an example. I don't think anybody wants to set their own life on fire. You, you don't want to, you know, turn against yourself. But, but let's start right there. You can destroy yourself by the way you talk to your, you have a relationship with yourself. You understand this, right? You have a relationship with you. And, and I can just say that by the simple reason that we all talk to ourselves, don't you? Don't tell me, it's just me. Uh, we talk to ourselves and, and you probably don't think about how you talk to yourself. But, but, but for example, some of you look at that face in the mirror and, and, and you tell that face in the mirror, you are so fat. Don't you? You tell yourself that you're fat. You tell yourself that you're dumb. You tell yourself that you'll always be alone because nobody could ever love you. You remind yourself of all of the horrible things you've ever done. You remind yourself of your own failures. And you tell yourself that you'll never be worth anything. And, and you tell yourself that the reason why nobody likes you is because, you know, you just go on and on and on. And, and what I'm saying is the way you talk to yourself pretty much guarantees that you're going to hate yourself. I mean, Jesus says, love your neighbors as you love yourself with the assumption there that everybody has some sort of loving relationship with themselves. But the way you talk to yourself is more the way a person would talk to their worst enemy. You have become your own worst enemy. And it's just as simple as a, Speaking death into the mirror, speaking death into your own life. And, and, and James says, you can set your life on fire. You can burn the whole thing down just, just with the way you talk. Would you like to just absolutely hate your job? I can tell you the simple secret. All you got to do is complain about work with every opportunity. Just learn to complain about your job. Why don't you start today about 4 o'clock? It's Sunday, but Monday's coming. About 4 o'clock today, just start saying, oh, I can't believe I got to go back to that place tomorrow. How many more days will I retire? I hate that place. I hate my job. I can't believe I got to work. I hate my job. I, uh, while you're at it, complain about the boss. That's always good. I hate my boss. That old lady don't even work. All she does is talk on the phone and take smoke breaks. I'm doing all the work around here. It's me doing all the work around. So, so go ahead and whine about all of your coworkers while you're at it. Hate them while you're, I mean, just, you know, complain and criticize your coworkers. Talk about them. Why don't you just tell yourself how you're over here doing all the work and all they do is take smoke breaks. That's all they do. If it weren't for you, nothing would get done around this place. It's so stinky, sweaty place. You're ruining your joint, standing on the concrete. Just whine and complain as much as possible. You will eventually hate your job. The fun thing about complaining is the more you do it, the more you let your, your mouth complain, the more your brain will, will imagine new things to complain about. So it's this amazing habit that once you just become a complainer, you will never run out of things to complain about. Magical, huh? So if you really want to hate your job, just, just speak death to it. Complain about it, whine about it, criticize everybody at work. It'll work for school too. You want to hate school? Oh, baby, let me tell you, all you got to do is whine about the homework. There's way too much of it, and it's pointless. It's all pointless. All these problems, if the teacher's going to teach you something, let her teach you in class. Why you got to do the odd problems when you get home? 
doesn't make any sense. Either you know it or you don't. Why the homework? It's because the teacher's lazy. Go ahead, criticize the teacher. Talk about how old and out of touch and, and how they smell like old spice. I mean, just go ahead and criticize the teacher. Why don't you, while you're at it, just learn to like criticize all of, all of the students at your school. Tell yourself how most of them are stuck up and all the others are losers. So this works because I guarantee you, with just a little bit of that, once you learn the trick of complaining and criticizing all the time, you can hate school. You want to know how to kill a perfectly good marriage? You can do it with your mouth, the way you talk. Now, when you were dating, you used your words to speak life into this thing now, didn't you? You wanted her. You wanted her in the worst kind of way. So you used your words. You said, oh, baby, you are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. Honey, you're so hot. When you walked in this room, you set off the fire alarms. You are so hot. Oh, baby. Oh, baby, I just love the way you chew. When you chew your food, your nose wrinkles up, and it's just so cute. I love the way you chew. You know, that's when you're dating. Now, 10 years into this marriage, what you say is, I hate that rat face you make when you eat. Right? Right? Y'all know that's not a joke. You know that's not a joke. When you were dating her, you wrote poems, you wrote songs, you stood up by her window with a jam box, you know. But now, you go to work, you come home, and you ain't got a word to say to her that there, there's something wrong. You know, now you criticize her and you complain about her and, and you tell her how much weight she's gained, you know, since, since she had the baby. And you tell her how the house doesn't suit you. And you tell her how the women at work smell so nice and look so nice and talk so nice to you. I, I mean, you want to kill your marriage? Just keep on going, buddy. You want to destroy your children? I mean, it's one thing to correct and discipline children. It's another thing to just belittle and name call and crush them into the ground. I mean, woman, you really want to hate your husband? Just complain about him. Get your girlfriends together and just run down the men. I mean, you can learn to just kill a perfectly good marriage by just talking death into it. You know, to tell yourself how you're doing everything and all he does is lay on the couch. Just keep on saying that over and over and over and, and tell yourself how he's not exactly the body you married either. You know, he's complaining about your weight, but, you know, he's walking around with an extra 30 pounds, you know, right there, you know. He's no kind of dreamboat either. Just go right on ahead. Complaining and criticizing and destroying each other and you will kill a perfectly good marriage. Some of you have already done it. Guaranteed. Because there's life and death and power of the tongue. You are speaking life and, and, and death. And, and some of you, the habit you've fallen into is when it's just negative out of your mouth all the time. It's just ugly and mean and nasty. And 
and it's coming out of you because it's in you. So maybe you should listen to yourself talk and and maybe you should be honest about the person that you really are. And maybe you should take seriously what the scriptures say. You should invite Jesus to take control of your heart. And maybe you and I both close our mouths. Pray with me. Lord God, it's it's the thing about words. Once they start coming, they just keep coming. Lord, I just said a whole lot of words. Lord, some of us know full well that we have spoken words that have crushed our daughter's life. We've, We've crushed our son. We have destroyed our marriage, Lord. We have ruined relationships, Lord. It's just because we open our mouth and let the words fly. We just burn our own lives down, Lord, with words. And Lord, some of us know that. We see that, Lord, right in this moment. We're fully aware of all the ways that we have messed up with our mouths. And God, the thing about it, words, once you say them, you can't take them back. You can't unsay a word. It's already hit its mark. It's already been heard. It's already done its damage. God, all we can do at this point is come to you and ask you to change our hearts. We can't undo what's been done. We can't unsay what's been said, Lord, but we can come to you and ask you to make us new from the inside out. And and then, Lord, what we say next becomes very, very important. Lord, please make us, Lord, not too proud, not too stubborn to go back and say we're sorry. To go back and say we forgive. To go back and say that, that I love you. Lord, make it so that what we say next will begin, will begin to speak life, Lord, in, in, into, our, into our lives, Lord. I pray that those of us who struggle today with guilt and shame will be able to speak words, confession, repentance, and can know what it means to walk with grace and forgiveness and freedom. Oh, God, we cannot change what's been said, but we absolutely can choose to say something different next time we open our mouths. So Lord, change our hearts into something beautiful, something alive, and then help us, Lord, to learn to speak out of that overflow, words of life. Everywhere we go, we pray these things in Jesus' name, but for our sakes, amen. Uh, 